the elephant in the room, we're talking about pornography, sex, and purity. And you guys know without a doubt in our culture today that this, this whole subject has literally been uh, just sat aside and blurred and ignored and, and twisted so much. And, and I believe that the fact that we live in such a hurting world right now, and we talk about the fact that there's so many issues in our world right now that have escalated. And, and I'm saying like depression and anxiety, uh, just um, rejection and all the emotional uh, trauma that people go through. And, and I believe that a lot of that is because of the fact is we've gotten away from what is right. So what I'm going to talk about tonight is what God calls righteousness. If that term is new to you, it literally means God wrote out, says this is how it works. Anytime you decide to do it any other way from other than what God says works, it doesn't work. And Satan is a deceiver. He steps into our life to manipulate us, to be able to say, there's another way. You can do it your own way. But in reality, he's, he's out to kill, seek, and destroy. That's what he does. And so I, I want to address this because this goes deeper than porn and premarital sex, okay, of this. This is a spiritual battle. It addresses and really is foundational to how we view marriage, how, how we view women, how men view women. Uh, it's, it's talking about broken marriages. You, you, you dive into any kind of counseling and find out that there's deep marital problems, and a lot of times you're going to find that they don't have the proper understanding of what God has taught about sex or what God has taught about purity or what God has ta- talked about protecting your eyes and protecting your heart. You're going to find things there because Satan loves to throw those things in your life that throws all these things off balance. Uh, you find split homes and hurt spouses and, and uh, adultery and fornication and uh, addiction, uh, like all sorts of things when it comes to this. And you can't look to the world for this because what I'm going to say almost is going to sound like, like, what? You know, like, that, that doesn't, you're not going to find that on TV. You're not going to find it in government. You're not going to find it in school. You're not going to find this anywhere. But that's so important that Christians ground themselves in the Word of God because that's all that matters. That is our foundation to everything. So I'm going to be teaching in a lot of passages, but uh, in, in just because this is more of a topical study, I'm going to be pulling from a lot of different verses and, and breaking this down, and, and prayerfully, the goal is to end with hope. But I want this to hit home because Paul addressed followers of God in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, and that's where I'm going to start. And I'm going to lay out like what these words say, what he was addressing in this passage, and he hits this issue really hard. And he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints. So before we start breaking this down, I just ask that we just pray. Because let me tell you, without prayer, we have no power, no understanding, no wisdom, no direction. We have nothing. Let's pray. So God, I know what we're about to talk about and study, Lord, in your word has affected all of us in one way or the other. Lord, I know that there's possibly men and husbands that have struggled with Lord, pornography. Lord, there's spouses in here that have been hurt because they've been cheated on. Lord, I, I know that there's different levels of even these things that we're talking about when it comes to cheating. People that have just, Lord, have a, not the marriage that they should have. They're not the emotional connection that they should have. Lord, it's 
Lord, it's, it's overwhelming to think of the spiritual attacks that have happened through this sin. But Lord, we're coming to you, Lord, as we search your word, asking for what you have laid out for what is right. We're not opinion, not feelings, but Lord, what did you say is right? So Lord, just give us understanding as we read your word. Lord, help us to see you. Lord, help the, the scripture to come alive in our minds to where we walk out of here with understanding and not, Lord, just with rules and, and, and not looking at it as just Bible stories. So, Lord, give us wisdom, give us understanding, and give us help. We pray in this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, our help, and our healer. Amen. Amen. So, the names that he mentions in here, and says all three of these are connected. There's uncleanness, which is, it's impurity. He said, I, I don't want anything mentioned among you as becoming saints, that anything that is unpure. So God lays out what is pure. He talks about marriage and sex, and he talks about this is pure, this is okay, this is right. And then he lays out what is wrong, because God wants what's right, because what is pure is what works. It's, and this is important for us to understand, because God also says if something is pure, and we're talking about purity that it doesn't matter how the world around us looks at it. God looks at it as being unclean. It would it, be like going into the dishwasher before it, you run the dishwasher and pulling out all the dishes out to, to give dinner to your kids. And you're like, this is disgusting. None of this is clean. It's all there. And you say, I wouldn't do that. And God says, you do that spiritually when you live this way. It's unclean. And then he is covetousness. It's, and, and I'm sorry, I struggle with that word. Uh, means holding or desiring more or eager for gain. It's to desire what's not yours. Constantly out there, and that's what he, the lust of the flesh is. It's constantly out there where it's like Satan knows how to put thoughts in your head to make you dissatisfied with what you have at home and dissatisfied with your marriage and dissatisfied with what God is giving you. And it makes you covet. It makes you desire what doesn't belong to you. But then the word fornication, which is the Greek word that we get the word porn from, just so you know, it means to act as a harlot, to indulge in unlawful lust, to, to practice idolatry, to commit fornication. It, fornication is a broad term that relates to anything related to sexual things outside of what God said is right. And so fornication is any sexual act outside of marriage. It's what God has said is impure or, or wrong. So I just want to lay this out, and I'm like, we, we've started this series and been able to keep up with it, even with me not being here, is we, we're like, what does the Bible say? Okay, and so that's what we're doing right now. I just, we're going to start off and just say, what does the Bible say? So with whatever you're going to be taught right now, I don't want you walking out of here and saying, well, they, he's just an old-fashioned Baptist guy, or, you know, that's just old-fashioned teaching, or whatever, and, and you, I say that, but the world around us talks about this in that way. It's just old-fashioned. You are so out of touch. They'll say, do you not know this is 2021 and, you know, and all this other stuff. But they're also pulling in such garbage into their life that they're miserable and they have so much just depression, anxiety, and we can't keep marriages together. We go to the root of it and we find this. So let's just make it very clear. What does the Bible say? Sexual acts outside of marriage are sin. Sexual acts outside of marriage is sin. The only boundary that God permits this is marriage. Now, we've been brainwashed in the world to view it the opposite because every TV show, every TV show, every movie, philosophy of 
what he's being taught. Somebody sent me uh, a lesson to a sixth graders, and, and literally inside of it, they were, they were talking about sex and all these different things and teaching them, like preparing for the next phases of their life. And it, it talked about the different phases of being tr- attracted to the opposite sex or same sex. And went through, and one of the one of the stages that you get to within a relationship, it literally had, how do you know you're ready for sex? Had nothing to do with marriage. It's like, how do you know you're ready? And, and you say, that's disgusting. Well, that's the world around us. But I'm telling you, we've slowly been adapting to world's philosophy where we look at this and think it's not a big deal. It's, it, it, the, it's, there's no purity. There's no commitment to any of these things. And the world promotes sex as part of dating, promotes it as the next level. It's like, well, we've been dating for a while, and I think we're talking about moving in, and we're talking about taking it to the next level. But if we're not careful, <clears throat> we start adapting the Christian way of thinking to the world. And the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's just lay some things out as we're talking about this. God created sex for marriage. It's not a bad thing. If we sit there and we start talking about it and, and saying, uh, you know, this, this just makes me uncomfortable. You know what? Maybe it's made us so uncomfortable that we've stopped talking about it, but the world screams about it. You know what I'm saying about it? They're not afraid to talk about it. They're not afraid to talk to your kids. They're not afraid to make shows out of it. They're not afraid to fall in, in education and everything. It is important, and I even was talking to Pastor Chris this afternoon, and I said, there is some stuff I want to talk about. And, you know, and it's almost as weird to mention these things in church. But I think the fact is, if we're not mentioning in church, who's talking about it? You know, you know what I'm saying? Who's talking about it? Who's going to stand up for righteousness and say, I know this is uncomfortable, but can I just lay out what is right? So let me just go back to the beginning. Some of you, this is just review, and that's okay. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now, let me just point out some things. They were naked, okay? They were naked. And talking about physical attraction, or for the fact that God emphasizes the fact that they had this intimacy or this sexual nature about them, and it was, they were not ashamed. Why? Because it was okay in marriage. God created it to be okay for this, or he created it for this. So God planned for sex to be good. God created sex to create unity in marriage. The bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, it it should be the most connected relationship of anything. And God says out of all these relationships and friendships and everything that he has, he deemed this or he created the sexual act for marriage to create a bond. It creates closeness and an emotional bond like, like nothing else does. And I'm, I'm saying this for a reason because I want you to understand is the world takes something that God created for closeness and creation of a bond and then you take teenagers that unite in these sexual acts and then they break up and all of a sudden they put this relationship in a bond that was created to create an emotional, deep, intimate bond and they break up and they're all of a sudden they're like, I don't know why I feel so rejected. I, I, don't, I don't know why I, I hate him and I, I, I want to kill myself and all this other stuff because they, create, they allowed Satan to create this emotional bond in there where they were ripped apart from that and it was never meant to be something to be detached from. It was created bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. It's talked about commitment. It was created as a gift to be intimate, something that was sacred and only shared between a husband and a wife. Sex and marriage is created to be pure. It's created to be healthy. It's created to bring pleasure. It's created to bring passion. 
It's created to, to spark up something, to, 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 to make it uh, exciting. Sex and marriage is righteousness. It is right. It is the way that God created it to be. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. He talked about this. Abstain literally means to cut it out of your life. He goes to the other side. Marriage, it's good. Created for it. He said the other side of it. This is what I'm asking for people that are not married. To abstain from all sexual acts. He says, this is your sanctification. This is what separates you unto God. This is what is wholesome and right and pure and good. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable in all and the bed is undefiled. He's literally saying marriage and the bed, they go together. It's undefiled. It's okay. Outside of marriage, you can take the opposite definition. It's, it's dishonorable. It doesn't bring honor. It brings shame. This is the rest of it, but whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Whoremongers is a very strong term, but I think we need some strong terms because I think when we had something in the Bible that is uncomfortable, we kind of like, I'm just going to go over that. Well, whoremonger also has a Greek word, which pornos, porn, fornicator. It means those that acquire or run after the sexual appetite of these things. That is talking about those that live in it. One night stand. And I, I tell you, if, if you were to take somebody now and say, according to the Bible, with you having sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, or a whoremonger, we'd be like, how dare you say that? You know, I mean, we'd be upset. But this isn't an old-fashioned preacher saying this. This is the Word of God. He's the one saying this. Talking about friends with benefits or shacking up or casual sex or sleeping around. Sexual gratification on any level outside of marriage is sin. But let's not stop there, okay? Because the title of what we're talking about is sex, pornography, and purity. So let's not stop there. Let's, let's get to the heart of the issue because Jesus in the New Testament gets to the heart of the issue. He says in Matthew five twenty eight, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. It's not just sexual acts, but it's sexual lust is sin. Sexual lust is sin. Now, now, now we're hitting home because this is like, well, I don't act on it, or I've never cheated on my wife, or I've never ran out and had an affair, or whatever. Now I'm going to tell you what Jesus said here, but I say unto you, that's Jesus. And he starts laying this out, that whosoever looks on a woman, literally with your eyes, to look on a woman, whether it's a magazine, it's a website, a Facebook page, it's a blog, it's a movie, it's HBO, it's Hulu, it's whatever. We have so many avenues now. To lust after, hath committed adultery already in his heart. Lust after her. That phrase in the Greek, to set your heart upon, to long, to covet, to desire, <clears throat> to, to feign after. It's, it's the desire to place your desires or your affections or your thoughts or your mind to say that. And, and by the way, just to lay it out, that's what porn does. It's, it's the very definition. <clears throat> We're going to have to define for, porn here in a minute because I think the world has even redefined porn. So God was exposing their hearts. And he says, if, if you see women walking around in such a way <clears throat> that you put your eyes upon them to lust after them, he said, you've already, in your heart, maybe not in the act, but in your heart, you've committed adultery. 
So if we're connecting the dots of the language, the word Greek word for here is pornos. The word porn or pornography comes out of this. So let me just use Google for a minute, okay? Where you've got the Bible, let's just put it into everyday terms. <clears throat> pornography is the portrayal of erotic behavior designed to cause sexual excitement. It is words, acts, presentations that are calculated to stimulate sex feelings independent of the presence of another loved or chosen human being. That's what, that's what just so you say, oh, that's not porn. No, listen, acts, descriptions, whatever, that excites the mind to put you into imaginary place of desiring these things. The word porn, according to Google, is a television program, magazine, books, etc., that are regarded as emphasizing the sensuous and sensational aspects of non-sexual subjects and stimulating compulsive interest in their audience. So let's just get real for a minute, okay? Because that's what we're doing. We're talking about the elephant in the room. So what is the real issue that we want to do? Number one, I want to just expose the opposition. Because you've got to think, anything that God says, this is pure and this is right, when you cross that boundary to go to the other side, you go into that which is the work of the devil. And you can just sit there and say, I just, I just enjoy that show, or I just enjoy looking at that. No, you just need to know that you're playing with sin. And you're, you're, you're dabbling in spiritual warfare that is out to seek, kill, and destroy you. You're just going to lay it out for what it is. It is spiritual warfare. Satan is the opposer of all that is good. He's against marriage. He's against purity. He, he's, he's against that teen that wants to grow up pure, and he, he throws things on their cell phone and throws things on TV shows and has that friend that has that video and everything. It's, he's, he's all those things to put into our hearts and minds to rob us from this. I, I had a friend, and I'm not going to name names or whatever, that uh, we, I went to college with, Bible college with. And when he was young, he used to, and I know this is not as big of a deal now because Satan has so many more options. When he was younger and he's shared with me his testimony that he, he got addicted to the call-in, like, uh, I don't even know what you call it, where you'd call and they would talk uh, yeah, the, on, on the phone, in, in, in like online, over the phone sex or whatever it was. He got addicted to that as a young age. Well, he added in his mind, once I get married, this will go away. Well, it affected his heart, affected his mind. He was in Bible college, making great grades, working hard, had a really good job. He ended up getting pulled right back into that, got them extremely in debt as a result of this, ended up divorced, having all sorts of problems. Went in, and you just say, it doesn't matter. No, it's it, what Satan's goal from the very beginning of the first act of it is this, the thief cometh not but to steal, to, steal, to kill and destroy. That is what the objective of porn is. And when we sit there and downplay it and just say it's not a big deal, it's just entertainment, I, I like it because it calms me, I, you know, all these other things, it's just Satan's way of being subtle when he talks about this. And that's, and that's what we see. And let me go back to this, the first mention of this, and just so you see the spiritual warfare, I'm going to read the same passage again in Genesis. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. So this is the cleave, the emotional bonding attachment that we talked about. One flesh, a commitment of that. So commitment one for one. It's it. It's, it's marriage. It's till death do us part. They were both naked. There was not a, no shame. Then verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Bam, look at it. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. 
as soon as you talk about what is good, pure, wholesome connection, Satan comes right in afterwards, slithering, being subtle. So so I'm saying this because you got to understand what he saw was what he was attacking, and he was very subtle doing this. I know I could never do a raise of hands and say, how many men or how many even women struggle with porn? But I'm going to tell you right now, we, we, we would be baffled right now to know how many good Christian people that love God and want to have wholesome marriages and everything struggle with this on a consistent basis because it is so easy and obtainable in our culture and Satan is so subtle to justify this to, to be able to have it pulled into our lives. He's subtle. So let me, let me just break this down. Satan uses sexual sin to capture us. He does. He, he is out to get your attention because he can't get your heart. He cannot, he cannot change who you are. For what the heart man believes unto righteousness, okay? We know salvation is that and we believe with our heart. But how do we get so messed up? How do people end up in affairs? We're talking about sex and impurity. How do people get addicted to porn? How, how does this happen? Let me just lay this out. He's, Satan has changed the label of our culture when it comes to porn. He's changed the label. He is subtle. He walks right in like a wolf in sheep's clothing and presents things in such a way that he takes the fear out of it. Satan's always been this way. You used to have to go into an adult bookstore. You'd have to have a triple X rated DVD that you got somewhere or VHS tape, you know, back in the day. That, that, that was how it had to be. You, know, you, you had to go into a, a gas station and ask for the magazine behind the counter. You know, it's, it's just, it's a different world. You had to cross a line, but not anymore. Some of the most pornographic shows are the most popular shows on TV today. It's just the way that it is. You say, how did it get that way? Satan is so subtle. His goal is to destroy, and he slips it into our homes. No longer will you see the label triple X or pornographic or even adult material. They've, they've taken off those labels in our culture, if you notice that. And I'm not saying none of those are used anymore, but now it's differently. Satan walks right into our homes through Netflix, On Demand, HBO, HBO Max, all these other things. And within the click of a button, in the most popular show that doesn't say some sort of raunchy title, it could be something like Game of Thrones, Westworld, John Adams, Oz, all these shows that are so popular at the beginning of it, it says, and all their description, sexual, sexual acts, you know, nudity and everything else when it comes to this. You say, why? Satan is subtle. He is good. He's out to destroy. He's out to take the things that are pure. And he invades our home by relabeling things to make it look more like entertainment and, and, and deceiving our minds with this. He's relabeled porn as mature audience or TVMA. And I don't care what you label it in the world. God says, if a man looks upon a woman to lust after he has committed, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. We've dropped our guard. We've changed the label. Here's how Satan has deceived us or captured us. He changed the label. We've changed our perspective. So now we view it as entertainment. And there's people that will even go to theaters where it will be this movie that just has one scene in it. Well, let me tell you, that one scene, according to the Bible, says, I will not let it cleave to me. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Lust not, look not, touch not. All these warnings with the Bible, but in our flesh, we'll sit there and say, it's a great movie. I want to watch it. 
it's no big deal. It's nothing I haven't seen before. I don't view it as wrong. That's old-fashioned. You sound like my mom. All these other things. So it's, he's, he's changes our perspective, and then it changes our standard. It, 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 we say it doesn't have an effect on me. I've, I, I've, all these things that we justify it doesn't change the fact that God says this in Ephesians 5.3, but fornication and cleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as become as saints. Let me read that again. Let it not, we get that? No, let it not be named. Let it not be in there, but let it not be part of your entertainment, your thought, your, your, your shows. Let it not be named among you. And if you go back, fornication, cleanness, covetousness, all these things is what he's listing. Let it not be part of you. Not even a hint is what that phrase means. It says in Psalm 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. It, it affects you whether you want to admit it or not. It says, I will not let it cleave to me because I'll tell you, and I'll get into the science here in a minute of this, and sticks in your head. Just that one scene will stick in your head. So how does teenagers get hooked on porn? How, how do good God-fearing people get hooked on porn? Because all of a sudden it just pops in out of nowhere and it sticks in your head and, and, and it works on you in such a way because the Bible even says it shall not cleave to me. It, it, it affects our hearts and our minds. It's designed to do this. Satan loves to take this powerful tool and use it to draw, away from our, draw us away from our spouses. He loves to do that. Remember, I told you, and, and I'll explain. Let me just explain this. <clears throat> Viewing sexual images of any sort changes our view of sex. And sex is this powerful tool, remember, created by God to bring a bond, a connection, intimacy, and attraction, everything that he said is good. You know why? Because God wants to keep marriages together. So he created almost like this super grew or this magnetic, you know, energy, all these things that he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give marriage something so special that it's going to draw them to each other. He did this. But the thing is, pornography does the opposite effects because it begins to pull us apart in other directions. There's a website called Fighting the New Drug, and it talked about your brain as the reward center. Deep inside the brain, there's something called the reward center. The reward center job is to release a pleasure chemical called dopamine, which a lot, not a lot of you guys have heard about that, into your brains in a response of behaviors that we perceive as positive, like eating tasty food, getting a good workout, or enjoying a kiss. Dopamine tells our brains, hey, this is good. Keep on doing it. It's a good thing. It sends the messages in such a powerful way that we become hardwired to whatever those things trigger this process. So this was God's plan. Like I was saying, God's plan was to create it between a husband and a wife. They were both naked, attracted. You want to know what this looks like? Go ahead in your time and read Song of Solomon. There's passages in Proverbs that will sit there, and God says it's good. You know, all these verses, let her breast satisfy thee at all times. Okay, it's verse, okay, I'm just quoting scripture. You know, in all these scriptures that it's supposed to be a connectivity that God created, and all of a sudden what Satan does, and he starts planting it all around us to where it's pulling us in another direction and pulling our minds like in a drug to attach us and draw us to things that shouldn't be there. Satan hijacks our brains. He creates this reward or desire for things can never satisfy. Let me just put it out there. Porn was never created to satisfy God created marriage to have satisfaction in it. Porn was never created to be satisfying. It always leaves you hungry for more. 
Satan creates images and videos that are all photoshopped. They're fake. They're mirages. They're not real. They don't exist. They're like unicorns that you chase. You constantly are going after, and it never satisfies. It never fulfills. Marriage does not fix this in problems either. It doesn't. It's a heart problem. That's why it says for a man to lust after a woman in his heart. It's a heart problem. And so you have all these marriages that, that guys grow up on porn and they are around it and they see it in the movies and everything else. And then they get married and say, as long as I have this outlet. But let me tell you that that marriage that you have, that outlet doesn't compare to that, uh, that dopamine signal that's been sent to your brain that is uh, like non-existent. It's, it's, it's something that was created that, that is a mirage. It was never created. It was to overstimulate changes your appetite. It's how Satan captured us. It changes the label. It changes our perspective. He changes all these things, but he changes our actions. See, it never stops there. And, and I know we're talking about different things when it comes to impurity, like sex, pornography, but let me start linking them together here. So then when lust hath con- conceived, that's the, your eyes, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. It creates an appetite. It creates the wrong thought process. It creates the wrong view. It changes us. It does. For any guy or any woman that is here and you think that it doesn't affect you, I promise you with all in my heart, it changes you. It has an effect. It's powerful. Let me give you an example of a man that was after God's own heart. David. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from his bed and he walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. The woman was very beautiful to look upon. Does anybody know the rest of that story? When he saw the lust, when he saw her beauty, when he looked on it, it affected him. And it changed his actions. It it worked on him. And and, and obviously the Bible doesn't explain it, but I guarantee you, like, oh, I shouldn't look at that. And it's like, then he goes back. And then, oh man, what am I doing? And and it affected him, changed. And even though this was a man after God's own heart, he ends up asking for her to come. And he lays with her and he has this affair. So how does a, how does a good guy like that do that? I'll, I'll tell you, I, I can tell you from being a ministry, and if anybody's been in church for a long time, we can all name pastors. We can all name leaders. We can all name people that are TV evangelists and everything that were good, godly people that loved God and wanted to preach and all these people that we held in high esteem, and they end up falling because of this. We change the label, change our perspective, we change our standard. It's subtle. It's so subtle. And then all of a sudden, it changes our actions. And David goes, and then he ends up killing her husband and all this. And he did things he never thought he would do because sin will take you further than you never plan to go. The Bible says in Lamentations 3.1, my eye hath affected my heart. What I'm viewing, what I'm seeing, the pornography, and I view it over and over again, it affects, it changes my heart. And all of a sudden, you have a, a, a man that loves his wife, and he begins to look at her and says, well, I wish you looked more like this and more like that. It's, it, it, it twists, makes you dissatisfied because you're chasing something that doesn't actually exist. The Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Protect your heart. Your, your eyes are a gateway to the heart. Your heart is your affection. When your affection begins to be changed by that, it says out of it are the issues of life. Your priorities and your love and your passions and your convictions, all of this. Going back to David. 
And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her. Porn and out-of-control appetites will lead to marriage issues. It will. It will lead to affairs. I've, I've talked to, and I would never give names or anything, but I can tell you I've talked to many times where I've been on the other end of being able to sit down with couples that have gone through affairs. And I've asked the question many times, how did this start? And a lot of times, and if not every time, they'll sit there and say, to be honest, I slowly got away from God's word. I slowly got away from what I knew was right. I, st- I started getting my mind changed by viewing things and I began to be entertained. And I've had a lot of men that have confessed to me and said I was going through a hard time. I just needed a stress outlet. I needed something to call me. I needed a distraction. I was, I, things weren't good between me and my wife. I wasn't being satisfied. I was looking, all these, all these excuses, all these things. But all that is is a setup for Satan to step in. Satan uses sexual sins to capture us. Satan uses sexual sins to control us. And you say, well, wait a minute. I, I, I don't believe that. No, let me tell you. Satan can't take the reins of our life, but a lot of times we give him the reins of our life through addictions. We, 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 we take alcohol into our system when we lose control and we do stupid things. All these different things that the Bible warns us about. Satan uses sexual sins to control us. Fall into the traps of Satan. Paul was dealing with fornication verses before, and he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Satan loves to take control. He loves to. And that's how people will get into these issues and just say, well, it just started because I was watching this show, and it really stirred me, and I started looking at other shows, and, and, and all of a sudden, they gotten so deep into that, and before long, you can't stop. Say, why is that? Satan hijacks our brains. That's why it's called an addiction. And they talk about that dopamine and that sexual addiction that is that with a lot of these things. It is greater than crack. It's greater than cocaine. It's greater than a lot of these drugs. It, it affects you in a powerful way. We, get, we, we lose control. Proverbs 5.19, God is illustrating God's plan and how Satan takes control of it. Let, let me show you this. And, and I said about how all this stuff is in the Bible. We don't like to talk about it. Let her be, talking about his wife, as a loving hind and pleasant row, let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and thou be thou ravished always with her love. And I've done in the past, I've done series and teaching on this, and I think this is important for couples to understand. The word ravished means to be overtaken or intoxicated. Literally meaning, God said, I have such a cool plan for you. I, I, I want you to keep yourself pure and not be drawn and brought into all these addictions and not attached and detached emotionally with people through, through premarital sex and all this and to keep yourself pure so that you can go into that bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, one flesh, united in that, united in this person uh, with this person, uh, purpose and passion that God created for you to have. And then God said, I want to do something. I want to ignite a passion. And he used the word ravish, to be intoxicated. It means I love my wife. I, I can't wait to be with her. I, she's the best thing that's happened to me. I'm drawn to her. I'm addicted to her love. I'm addicted to what God has done within our relationship. Through the idea of intoxication, it means to be enraptured. That is what God has intended for us to have in relationships and marriage when you do it right. But you cannot have that when you have 
fake stuff on the TV and everything else that's pulling you in other directions. The warning is, sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. But let me, let me finish the verse. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant robe. The description is, is beautiful in this. I don't have time to get into it. Her breast satisfy that at all times. And be thou ravished always with her love. And Why? Why wilt thou, my son, be ravished, intoxicated, overtaken with a strange woman or embrace the bosom of a stranger? Now, I, I, I don't have time to go into all the passages, but if you read the rest of the passage, it talks about how she makes her bed and, 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 and entices you and, and, and finds you on the street and pulls you in and all this other stuff. And that's really a description of modern-day porn, if you were to look at it. He, he said, here's what it is. He said, I want you to be raptured. I want you to be ravished, overtaken, intoxicated with a relationship between a husband and wife. But he said, why? Why would you allow something else to come into your life to pull you in the opposite direction? So let me almost close this out. I've got one last point. We're going to take it in a different direction, but it's Satan uses sexual sins to destroy us. People will sit there and think, it was just sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend. It's no big deal. You know, there's we're not cheating, you know, we're just, just all these excuses that people take for whatever avenue or uh, demonstration that we had with all these sexual sins that we talked about. But Paul was dressing the church in Corinth, a city that was consumed with sex. They had sex issues big time. And he says in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now listen to this, now concerning, he's addressing the church, he said, now concerning the things whereof we wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Now, I want, to, I want to just put this out there, especially if, if I was talking to younger people right now, teens or singles, and they say, what is going too far? It's like, because where, where's the, the boundary in all this? And let me just lay out what the Bible tells you. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm just going to tell you what the Bible says right here. The word touch means to attach oneself, to touch, uh, literally means touch, but the root word means to fasten to or to set on fire to kindle or light. Literally what the Bible was warning us of, of sexual sins, he was talking about not to touch a woman or talking about the opposite sex or anybody that's not your spouse. He said, do not touch them in any ways to stir up arousal. That's what he was saying. Do not touch the other person. And people will sit there and say, is it okay to hold their hand? Or is there, you know, we're just, let me just tell you what the Bible says right here. It's, it's literally talking about when it comes to the opposite sex, You better guard your heart and guard your actions to touch them in any way to stir up sexual desire. And you have to protect yourself because of the way God created it to be explosive and connective and passionate and all this other stuff. And when you start playing with fire, you're going to get burned. You just are because God created it to be something like that. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife. Let every woman have his own husband. So it's okay to touch, to kindle that flame. And by the way, you should be touching to kindle that flame if you're married, because God created it to be that way. But he said in this passage right here, let, when is it okay? Let every man have his own wife and every husband have his own wife. And, and, and uh, you know what I mean. So what is the parameter for sex? It's marriage. What is the parameter for sexual desires? What is the parameter for all these things? It is marriage. One of the reasons that we have so much depression, anxiety, and self-worth issues today is because we keep allowing our young people and ourselves, I say young people, I don't know that's a struggle. Well, let's be honest. 
If you're 95 years old and you're dating, the rules still apply to you. Amen. Still, right is right, wrong is wrong. It's not a young person thing, it's a right thing, it's a wrong thing, and it's, it's, it's a biblical thing. And all of a sudden, you have young people that sexually connect in such a way, and I've, I've done this before, where I, I've, I've taught this to young people and say what it is, and you take two pieces of paper and you take the super glue, and God created a bond for them to be there, and, and sex is part of that bond. It is, it is meant to be a deep emotional, spiritual, emotional bond between two people. It's like nothing else on the face of the planet. And then let that super glue dry. And then that couple breaks up or cheats on it or whatever, whatever, and then you rip it apart. You can't pull the two pieces together. You rip it apart. It's what we do to our emotions. And you say, oh, I don't know why I'm like this. Well, because you were never meant to have that in your relationship. It was never meant. It's super glue. It was meant to put something together and keep it together. It was meant to be a bond. And yet we're taking the very elements of marriage and applying them to dating and wondering why we have so much depression because it was never meant to apply to that. It's never meant to go in there. That's why he said, let it not be named once among you. Abstain from fornication. Flee all these things. It brings shame. It brings regret. It brings scars. It brings a lack of trust. It breeds confusion. All of these things. And those things bring anxiety and depression and guilt and baggage that we drag into relationships and then wonder why our divorce rate is so high. Because men had their minds brought through a blender when it comes to pornography. And then they drag that into a dating relationship to sleep around with anybody. There's no boundaries. There's no commitment. There's no trust. There's no love. There's no intimacy. There's no connection. And then we walk into marriage and wonder why we have so many issues. Because we're not addressing the problem. And God said in verse 25, let me go back. They were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. We broke God's purpose. We crossed the line. The Bible says in the rest of that passage in 7.3, It says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife to the husband. He said, I'm going to do something powerful through sex. I'm going to let you meet a need in each other's lives. And the thing is, don't start the fire if you're not married. It's not just about sex. It's about controlling our flesh. We've made this so much, I think, in a lot of conversations like this where we talk about, well, don't have sex. We talk to our teens, don't have sex. No, we need to be talking about purity. We need to be talking about what is right and guarding your heart. We need to be talking about preserving yourself for your future mate. And your body does not belong to you. Your body belongs to God and your body belongs to your future spouse. So I've never heard me. Well, that's in the Bible. You you give yourself as a gift to to your spouse when it comes to this. He gives us instructions. It's good for men not to touch a woman. Don't stir this up. Dating couples that are acting like they are married are setting themselves up for a disaster. They are. You set yourselves up to fail. I don't care how spiritual you are. You sit there and say, well, we go so far. And we talk about couples that get into, or dating couples that say, well, we don't have sex, but we have oral sex. And they go into all these other things and trying to blur the lines of all this Stuff. When fornication is anything that is igniting that, spirit, that passion, that sexual passion, that should not be ignited at all. And by the way, you think you're strong enough? 
The Bible says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is what? Weak. It's weak. Flesh is weak. And, and the thing about it is when it comes to sex and being turned on, it wasn't created to be turned off. Amen. It wasn't. Because marriage is honorable and all, and the bed is undefiled. The Bible says, and they were both naked and not ashamed. God said, I'm going to create something in the bonds, in, 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 in the relevance of marriage, and throw the match in with the fire and let it burn because it's okay. There should be that passion and desire that's there. It should be. So, how do we, let me close this out. How do we live in a world that is filled with sex and temptation? And I, I, I don't want to just say it's wrong and here's what the Bible says, but no, I. I I'm laying out, I'm trying to lay it out about how this spiritual attack and how Satan affects our mind and changes the labels, changes our standards, changes our actions to capture us, to mess us up, to kill, seek, and destroy. We have all these evidence of all these things. But I want to close with just talking about embracing the victory because I don't want anybody walking out of here being like, you know, man, it's just, this is just too hard. It is one of the hardest things in our culture today. First of all, let me tell you, we already have the victory. It's just a matter of claiming it. It says in 1 John 4, 4, Year of God, little children, overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. God literally says, you have the Spirit of God inside of you that's going to convict you. You're going to know when you turn on that show, and it says at the beginning of this, this show is rated TVMA because it contains sex, nudity, and you should sit there and say, no, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I don't care if I've watched half the season. I'm not watching this. should have conviction in your heart because God is your standard. You sit there and say, I'm not going to set any wicked thing before mine eyes. Accept what God has for us. How, how do you embrace the victory? Ephesians 5.14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. It comes from the same passage that we talked about, about what, what he says in Ephesians about purity and wholesomeness and marriage and everything else. He said, Awake, wake up. Have we gotten so comfortable with the world that we put anything before our eyes and we accept anything and we, we don't, we, we accept the world's standard when it comes to our kids dating. We need to teach our kids what it means to date right. We, we need to tell our kids and explain to them what marriage is and what intimacy was meant to be and then it being that it's special. And I think sometimes we get so worried or concerned about polluting them or saying the wrong things that we don't say anything, but then the world steps in and they give them a whole truckload of garbage. We've got to speak up. We've got to teach and educate. We, we, we become weak in our homes. We lack revival because our minds are so polluted. We have adapted to the surroundings around us. We have lost sight of holiness and righteousness. I'm going to touch on this on Sunday, but let me tell you this. There cannot be answered prayers if there is unrighteousness in your life. Amen. There can't be. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. Then will I heal their land. We, we are not going to experience 
revival in our day and age or revival in our culture if there's sin in our homes and sin in our hearts and sin in our relationships. It's not. It's got to wake up. Beware of what's happening. Open our eyes. Stop being passive. Embrace the victory that God's given us. Second thing is accept God's standard. Get in your Bible. All the verses that we talked about tonight, just sit there and, and look at it. What did God say is right? You know, and, and I've had people say, well, I'm 35, or I'm not going to sit there and be treated like a teenager, whatever. No, I, I'll tell you, you need to just understand what your flesh is. Your flesh indeed is, your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is stinking weak. Stink is not in the Bible. I added that. Just don't go looking that up. It's weak. It's, you're weak. You need to teach your teenage boys. Your spirit indeed is willing, but your flesh is weak. It's weak. As followers of God, we trust in what God has said. We learn, we obey, we trust, we submit. If this is God's boundaries, and this is what God says, this is what I'm going to do, draw a line in your life. If God said no, then the standard is no. God's standards guards what's good. I want you guys to understand, and that's something we need to teach our kids. It's not like, why can't I do that? Why can't I, whatever, with my relationship, my girlfriend, or go away for the weekend or whatever? And, and if we're not careful to teach them why. It's not that God's trying to keep something good from you. He's trying to preserve something good for you. Does that make sense? It's not what God's trying to rob from you. It's what he's trying to preserve you for. It's, it's what the good that he has for you. We need to teach that. Understanding that Satan tries to ruin the things that we have. Premarital sex, pornography, sexual acts before marriage, all these things hurt what God created. And it creates the scars. It creates addiction. It creates long-term injuries to our relationships. Here's another thing. God's standard is also countercultural. When he said in Ephesians 5, 3, let it not be named once among you as become his saints, he was literally saying it's, it, it might not be what the world accepts. It might not be what they hear in school. It might not be what they see in Hollywood. It might not be see what you see in government. But he said, I'm talking about as become his saints. I'm talking about you guys. There, there is something that we need to revive in our hearts, and it's the subject of sanctification. Come out from among them and be separated. Can I tell you guys what? We're not to live like the world. We're not to be like everybody else. Right. We, we are to be sanctified, separated, living according to what God has said. That's not old-fashioned. That's Bible, by the way. Guard your ears. Let no man deceive you with vain words. This isn't the same passage in 5-6. Don't let anybody get in your head. When you're dating the wrong person, they're saying, I don't understand why you're so old-fashioned this. And dating somebody that has different morals or values or spiritual standards in their life. And they sit there and say, who cares? Or who are we hurting? Or we're adults? Or I love you and you do this if you love me. If they are a godly girl or girl, godly girl or boyfriend, they will push you to do what's right, not what's wrong. We need to be teaching that to our kids. If you're dating the right person, they're going to be pushing you towards what's right, not what's taking you from what's right. If they are not, the question is, why are you dating them? I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Dating is not a ministry. <laughs> dating is not a ministry. We have plenty of ministries in our church. Join one, get involved. Dating is not one of them. You do not date someone to reach them. 
You can be friends with them to reach them, but you don't sit there and say, I know they don't go to church and they don't have standards and they don't love God and they, they don't worship, they don't this, but I think the longer we're together that I can change them. Dating's not a ministry. If you want more Bible than that, I, I can show you. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers for what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? It's not. You're, 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 we're to be following God's word when it comes to this. Guard your heart. Ephesians talks about the full armor of God. And I'm talking about with every aspect of this breastplate of righteousness. Guard your heart with what is right. He says in verse 16 of Ephesians 6, 6, but above all, taking the shield of faith where you are be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I did, I, I did a study on this one time. The fiery darts of the wicked is the fact that Satan will come after you and he will shoot at you and put things into your life that you didn't invite. It, it will be a random thing that pops up in a video. It, it will be a, a, a friend request of somebody that you didn't know that is nothing more than somebody seeking to get you hooked on their porn site. It will be an email spam or whatever. He, he knows how to pop right in. It, it will be a billboard. It will be a magazine cover. It will be all these things. And he was literally saying, you know what the fiery dart is? Once it, once it hits you, it spreads. It infects, it changes, it consumes. That's what the fiery dart is that he's done. And Satan's constantly after you. You know what he said? You better walk in the full armor of God because you never know when you're going to get shot at. Walk in the full armor of God. In a sex-saturated world, sin-saturated world, this is as real as you can get. There is temptation on every corner of everywhere that you can look. You don't have to look for it. It will look for you. And Proverbs even illustrates that. Amen. You say, how do I fight this? You don't. I don't know, that sounds so weird for a pastor to say. You don't fight this. 1 Corinthians 6.18, you flee fornication. There's a lot of things that you're going to wrestle in your life, but this is the one thing that the Bible says you do not pick up the hot coals and say, I will not be burned. You flee fornication. When Potiphar's wife grabbed Joseph, he dropped his coat from behind him and ran out the door. You do not fight fornication. You flee fornication. Here, let me, let me explain. He says in Proverbs 6.26, and I promise I'm all done. You're all going to be like, now, that, now I remember why we don't want Pastor Tony back. He's a long-winded guy. Proverbs 6.26, for by means of a horse woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread. An adulteress will hunt for precious life. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk upon the hot coals and his feet not be burned? He literally describes sexual sin, sexual appetite, pornography, temptation of this girl at work, whatever, is picking up hot coals. Can you handle it? No, you can't. So what do you do? You don't mess with it. To ever think that you can handle it, you're man enough or woman enough to handle it, you cannot handle this. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.11, abstain from fleshly lust which war against your soul. You know what he said to do? Abstain. Stay away from it. Stay away from the temptation. Stay away from those channels. Stay away from those websites. Stay away from that girl at work. Stay away. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, again, flee fornication. 1 Corinthians 6, 17, wherefore come out from among them and, separ- and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Do you guys get the point? And you sit there and say, how do I wrestle? Mom, dad, I I need to figure out how far I can go with my girlfriend. It's like wrong conversation. We flee fornication. It's not how we do it. Don't set yourself up to fail. 
And let me just say this, and I know some of the other guys have taught on different things. There are so many things out there right now when it comes to clear play, vidangel, plugged in reviews, all this other stuff. We have plenty of tools that God has given us through Christians that have risen up to, to be able to protect our hearts, our mind. You can, you can know before you ever walk in to see a movie or whatever what you're about to walk into. You should research it and know what you're getting into. Guard your heart and remember who you are. He said, for sometimes you were in darkness, for now you are in the light. Walk as children of light. You need to know who you are. You are not of this world we do not adapt to the sin of this world. We do, we do not bow the knee to the temptations of Satan. We do not sit there and say, this is just too much, or it's the world that we live in, or we live in 2021, or that's just how TV is. No. <clears throat> you are a child of the Most High God. Act like it. Grow up. Wake up. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Just know that. I don't care what excuse you have there. <clears throat> Just know if you know to do right and you don't do it to him, it is sin. This is a big elephant in the room. It affects every single one of us on one level or another. But I'll tell you, it is spiritual warfare. It is important for us to wake up and understand that it is sin. It is sin. It is sin. We don't wrestle with it. We fight it. We abstain. We have fight by abstaining. And I'll tell you, we're going to get into having lives that are filled with satisfaction and setting our kids up for success, this is part of it.